0: Yeah, if someone would just pray for Liscard, um, we, it, it, it's, it's great to be here, by the way, first of all. It's like being at your cousins, isn't it? You know, you've got your own family, you go down to see your cousins. I, re, I really love being here. And obviously, some of you I've known for a good number of years now. But um, yeah, we, we have a, a, a tough couple of weeks. We've had, um, you know, a poor family who, who had a premature baby and uh, he fought, but he didn't make it. And I've got to, you know, bury uh, deal with that tomorrow. That's going to be tough. We've had uh, a couple just join the church. The guy is not a Christian yet, but he's showing interest. He's getting sentenced tomorrow. He's pleaded guilty to charges, so we'll see how that goes. And we've also had uh, a case of sort of domestic violence um, as well, which has been quite heavy involving social services and so on. So, you know, a couple of weeks. And these things, like any family, a family It can handle one or two things at a time of tough things. But when it all seems to come in, any family, however good, however strong, it 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 comes under pressure. And uh, when we come under pressure, as I found a couple of years ago, the worst bits of us get squeezed out. Uh, And the best bits, but what's in there gets squeezed out. And um, it's a refining time. So, I mean, I love our family at Liscard. They're a great bunch of people, but there's a few tough things. I wonder if someone would just come and maybe pray for us as a family at Liscard there he comes, or two, yeah, that's right, yeah, great, I'd be really grateful for that, so, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: (coughs) Yeah, I just want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for Liscard, and uh, I want to thank you for this time of refinement that they're going through there, and we're going through here, and I thank you, Lord, that you're preparing us for this great light, and I just ask, Lord Jesus, that well, first of all, my confession and our confession is that sometimes we try to do things on our own. Mm. And Lord, we are desperate for your spirit Lord yes, Please yeah, yeah. pour out your spirit in this yeah. situation. Yeah. This family that's lost this child, Lord, yeah. please yeah. come and rescue them. Yeah. And we, we know that your promise is to turn this situation into good. Yeah. And Lord, bring good. Bring yeah. something new, Lord. Yeah. If it's a time of stillness that we need, then bring that refreshment Lord mm. Lord I just ask that you would come and you would put a hedge of protection around these light and life churches now yeah. as we're leading up to this season of revival yeah. Lord bring good from this situation pray and I pray yeah, pray yeah. Protection, yeah. yeah. Pray for love and mercy and grace yeah. over this garden. I pray yeah. Yeah. Lord Jesus you work in miraculous ways with this garden. Lord yeah. Jesus so much Yeah. yeah. With this Jesus yeah I pray protection specifically of Mark and his family yeah. and anyone else that's in uh, the leadership team there mm. a specific blessing on them that they would be anointed uh, with wisdom so yeah. they'll be able to navigate through this this wonderful season that you're going to bring them out into yeah. something great. I just pray for lifting of their spirits now, yeah. that they would see that, that you're, you're going to do something wonderful. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Oh,
0: thank yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, things are generally good there, by the way. It's not been a, you know, I want to say generally. You know what I mean? People uh, and relationships and things are generally good, but been a few big things just in the last few weeks that will stretch us. So today, um, it was interesting hearing Kathy just talk that little bit about um, feeling a little bit in the dark and the promise of light opening up. Uh, I just want to share a little bit of testimony actually, and uh, normally when I come, I share my mistakes, you know that, and where I got it wrong, and I do that all the time. This, this is a little story, actually not where I got it right, where God got it right, but what I mean, I don't want you to think I'm boasting just because I'm going to tell you a story where it went well now, but um, I had an episode in my life where uh, I'd been um, married when before I became a Christian and uh, was married 17 years. This might be best not to be recorded, but anyway, uh, and I'd been married 17 years, and that that came to an end beyond my control. Uh, I, I felt like crazy, but it, it, it just didn't happen. And you you're left going, God, you know, what was I, you know, what, why, what, where? You just feel in a total place, as as Kathy described, maybe in a tunnel. You're going. I don't understand. And, and is my job to sort of wait and just pray, or is my job to shake the dust on my feet? What is it, God? I just need to know what you want, and just that sense of um, being in total—ah, oh, just horrendous. Point. I remember it, and, um, and you know, and and but you also know that I don't know how and I don't know what, but you just somehow have to cling on that things will be all right in the end. But anyway, cut long story short, the months rolled by, and people. Began to say to me things like, um, Bronwyn's nice, isn't she?" And uh, I used to say, "Yeah, I don't really know her. I'd never really spoken to her, but she seems like a nice girl." And uh, and this began to grow. And the kids in my youth group began to say, "Oh, she's a fantastic singer. She's this. She's that. Everything and all these things." And uh, it began to build. And then I, you know, that opened my eyes a little bit to sort of. Notice a bit more, and uh, the months rolled by. But I remember I was in a, a vulnerable position. Uh, there's the classic phrases, and they're on the rebound, all this sort of stuff. And um, so I thought, you know, I, I think I do like this girl, but Lord, I need to know that you are in it. I, I have to know that this is you and not me. And uh, you know, when we're in those positions and we're fancying buying the new 70,000 pound BMW in a midlife crisis, we pray, Lord, if you want me to have this BMW, uh, if I see one today, then I'll know that that's there. And you know, it's ridiculous sometimes. This is how stupid we are in terms of we'd say we're handing it over to God. I mean, and we're really not. But in this case, I thought I've got to take a step back in faith. Now, often I talk would talk about taking a step forward in faith, but sometimes we've got to take a step back in faith. What I mean by that is, remember Elijah on Mount Carmel? Uh, There's the competing things. The prophets are bailing him. The the sacrifices are there. And they're looking for whose sacrifice will be consumed by fire from heaven. And what does Elijah do? He says, pour water all over it. That may be where we get the phrase, pour cold water on it. He pours cold water all over the, the cow, the wood, the trench, fills it up. So that nobody can say, oh, it was just a little spark that set it off. Wasn't God at all. Elijah takes a step back in faith. God, God, no doubt then. And I did that with uh, Bronwyn. I said, God, if you want me in any way to enter into some form of per- pursuing this girl, I need to know you're in it. And so I left it and I said, God, I'm not going to do a thing until I know that you're in it. Wow, well, barely a day went by, maybe two days went by. I got a phone call from a girl who was Bronwyn's landlady. She said, do you repair ceilings? I said, yes, I do. She said, well, I've got a ceiling falling in in my house. Would you come and do it? I thought, ooh, yes, I will come and do it. That's where Bronwyn lives. And then at the end of the conversation, she said, I'm going off to Sudan on mission. Would you liaise with Bronwyn? I said, I certainly will. Thank you very much. (laughs) And uh, so there was this sense that, wow, God seems, this is this is wild. You know, ceiling falls in. You find yourself in the house of the person that everyone's telling you you should get to know. And so then, as I may have told you before, then I really manipulated it. I found out what time her shift finishes. I made sure I was there every day at the time that she walked in from work. Would you like a cup of tea? Yes, thank you very much. And so it went on. But that wasn't the only confirmation. There were many other confirmations. I remember my pastor, who was generally a fairly cautious guy, walking, knocking on my door. He said, all right, Mark? I said, yeah. He said, "Uh, got any news? I said, I'm not sure. I sure you haven't got some news? I said, well, I think Man United won last night. No, he said, have you got some real news? I said, okay, okay. Yes, I have been on a date with Bronwyn. He said, how old are you? I said, 43. He said, how old is she? I said, 37. He said, you better get on with it. And I thought, wow. (laughs) I thought, wow, this is a guy who I expected to go, now be very careful. You know, think, you know, all these like weird things were happening that just let me know that God was very much in the minute. So today I'm talking, and that illustrates... And by the way, it's been fantastic. We've been together 13 years, and it's it's been great. Today I want to talk, and it's totally relevant, because I want to talk on the principle that commit your ways to the Lord, and He will give you success. It's a proverb. Commit your ways to the Lord, and He will give you success. We're going to look at a really beautiful story in Genesis 24, if you want to follow that in your Bible or on your iphone or whatever but uh genesis 24 it's the coming together of isaac and rebecca it's a beautiful story but i want to make it clear that beautiful stories in the bible certainly in the old testament are pretty rare i mean it's 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 true you just start at genesis you get adam and eve they got on a plate they blow it next generation cain and abel he don't like him so he murders him this is the next generation goes on it gets so bad god goes it's breaking my heart i'm gonna have to wipe the whole lot out I'll save one family back, Noah's family. He gets saved, then he gets drunk. And then it goes on, and you have Abraham. He has some great moments, by the way. He's the father of faith. Fantastic. Many, many really magnificent moments. We're going to see one today. But he had his slips as well, didn't he? Did some crazy things at times. But Abraham uh, sometimes took it even into his own hands and forgot to commit his ways to the Lord, if you like. Oh, I'm going to have to make this work myself. And then we have Lot. His daughter's committed incest with him. I mean, it's grim reading. You know, you get David's daughter got raped. Jacob's daughter got raped. I mean, it's a lot of grim reading in the Old Testament. So when you get a happy ever after story, grab hold of it and go, this is great. But the reason this is a happy ever after story, by the way, there is a happy ever after story from the start of the Bible to the end. The meta-narrative is a happy ever after story. It's fantastic. And we're part of that make no mistake. But in it, people are people. And there's a lot of mess in the people. But God is faithful. God is good. That should give us encouragement, by the way. But here is a rare story when people just give it over to the Lord. We can learn so much from this and it goes well with them. And sometimes in our lives, um, we we would do well to just know this principle. Commit your way to the Lord and God will give you success. Now, our definition of success as Christians is not the worldly view of success, which is probably middle-aged man, midlife crisis, Dolly Bird, 20 on one arm, Mercedes there, already retired in Monaco, 50 million in the bank. That's a world view of success. I don't want it. It's rubbish. But the biblical view of success is healthy relationship with God, Healthy relationship with people and enjoying the fruit of the Holy Spirit—love, peace, joy. Do you want fifty million in the bank or peace? You know, I mean, it's it's sort of simple, and we know it, but we're easily distracted sometimes to think where the real deal is. And biblical success—I just want to make that clear—is not quite the same as worldly. In fact, it's way different, worldly. But we know what it is to be successful as a believer, you know, and that's what we're talking about. So in Genesis 24, we're going to see this beautiful story of God's sovereignty. We're going to see a beautiful story of guidance in the Holy Spirit, a beautiful story of us partnering with God to see his purposes come through. It's a beautiful story of the value of prayer, uh, a beautiful story of how doing things the right way has good consequences and implication that doing things the wrong way, as we see through the rest of Genesis, has some pretty dire consequences. So, there we are. Well, I'm going to start uh, the story in in Genesis 24 at verse 1. We're going to read through little bits and comment on them and see this beautiful story unfold with a fantastic ending. Abraham was now old and well advanced in years. He was over a hundred and the Lord had blessed him in every way. So when it says the Lord had blessed him in every way, just get this, his wife has just died. And so, you know, we as uh, immature believers sometimes can go, well, that ain't blessing him. You know, God blesses you in the good times and in the bad times. And, you know, you can't expect to live this life and not know anyone ever die, not know anybody ever get ill, not know anybody ever have a hard time. That's just not the way it is. The Bible doesn't promise you that as a believer. It actually says that in all things... You know, God works together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. And so Abraham was blessed in every way. He was blessed in the morning of his wife. He was blessed in all the great things that happened. So Abraham was now old and was well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to his chief servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had let 's face it, Abraham was big businessman. I mean, today he might be Donald Trump, you know what I 'm saying in terms of big. Big, 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 powerful man. Wealth brings power, whether we like it or not. And he was a big influential man of that day. And he says to the man in charge of all that he had, so you could argue is number two, he says, put your hand under my thigh, before you get worried. Uh, this is the ancient Far East version of a handshake. You know, I want you to shake on this, mate. Put your hand under my thigh, okay? So he says, put your hand under my thigh. Uh... I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country. Remember, Abraham came 900 miles from the land of Ur to the land of Canaan, and go back to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. I don't know if any of you are parents. You know, I've got two boys, 9 and 11. I'm already thinking, what sort of wife are they going to get? You know, and equally important, what sort of husband might they be? You know, as overall, us as parents wanting the best for our kids, what about our kids being the best for somebody else? And so, you know, I'm already thinking that. He's 11 now. He started probably, you know, to just think a little bit differently. His general life is football, but I'm sure the day will come where he notices a girl. And so the thing is, I'm uh, already thinking and praying into these things. And Abraham is no different. He wants... I mean, Sarah was barren for years. This child is a precious child. You know, he did all the stuff with Hagar and Ishmael, all because he was struggling to trust God. But he has this child, this child of the promise, Isaac. And if the promise is going to continue, of which we are part of that promise today, the, the sons and daughters of faith, if that promise was going to continue, obviously Isaac had to marry. And so Abraham is well advanced in years. Sarah's already gone. He knows he ain't got long left. He knows probably he's too old to make a journey nine hundred miles on a camel, and so he says to his servant, "Better get moving. Can you get a wife for Isaac?" Now, just a little note, by the way, this isn't an arranged marriage, but interestingly, but it's there's more control in it than we normally have in our culture. In in Britain, we think we're so free, and we're all free to just choose whoever we want, Are there any family involvement, all that sort of stuff. No, you know, I'm not saying either way is right or wrong. But we had an Indian lady in our church uh, a few years back who was a Christian. And she said that in India, obviously, the Hindus generally, it's arranged marriages. And she said, but before you go, that's terrible. She said, most Hindu arranged marriages are actually happier than British free marriages. Because they come into marriage going, this is going to be tough. We've got to work at it. We've got to build character and we can make a marriage work. And of course, the British mentality is I'm just going to fall in love one day. I'm going to meet this person that's going to just make me feel fantastic. And as soon as they stop making me feel fantastic, I'll find another one. And so, you know, I'm not saying either is right, but there's an element where some family involvement in marriage is not necessarily unhealthy. And so um, Abraham is going, go. This is where I want you to get a wife from. My people. Why did he say that? Because if you look back to Abraham's journey out of Ur, they were a pagan bunch, as indeed the Canaanites were, but I think there's probably different levels. They were generally probably a fairly decent bunch, whereas the Canaanites were a pretty undecent bunch. It might be that. It might just be that he just wanted the accountability and all that from just knowing. We don't know exactly why Abraham said, go back there and find a wife, but maybe the Lord had just told him. That's the other option that he'd been praying about it. So he tells the man, go back the 900 miles and find a son for my wife uh, from the land of Ur, or now called Nahor. The servant asked him, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? See, good question, isn't it? Good servant. Okay, I find a woman. She says, yeah, I'd like to marry Isaac, but I ain't leaving my family and I'm not leaving my area. What do I do then? The servant says. Abraham says this. Make sure that you do not take my son back there. Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven. Who brought me out of my father's household. And my native land. And who spoke to me and promised me on oath. Saying to your offspring. That's Isaac. I will give you this land. He will send his angel before you. So that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. You see, Pete came to us and spoke a couple of weeks ago. And one of the phrases he said was, make sure you make the main thing the main thing. And what Abraham is doing here is going, you know, Yeah, he needs a wife. Yeah, I hope he gets a nice one. All those things. But the main thing is the main thing and that is following in obedience to God. And God told me to leave there and come here that a nation would be built here through my offspring. So who am I to go, if she ain't going to move, I'll send my son back there and compromise just to get a nice wife but forget the purposes and call of God on my life. Make the main thing the main thing. Even good things will distract you from the call of God upon your life. And the things you know, God has said, "I want you to do this. I want you to do this." And so Abraham is no way going to lose sight of what the main thing is. The main thing is there's a covenant, there's a promise here that in Canaan I will build this massive nation that we're part of today that will be as numerous and as hard to count as counting sands on the uh, sand grains on the seashore. And Abraham knows that God's call him to that. So how can I let my son go back there? when really it's meant to be this land that he inherits. And so the servant is clear, if she ain't willing to go, then maybe it's plan B. But I cannot compromise on the things I know that God wants for us. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and left, taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharam and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time the women came out to draw water. And so there he is, 900 miles. This is a bit like Cornwall to, to John O'Groats, I think in another couple of hundred miles on camels. I don't know how fast the camel goes, 5 miles an hour, 10 miles an hour. But you know what I mean, it's a big journey. A bit like going to Scotland on a horse. You know, you'd certainly take a few days over it. They go off, a group of them, 10 camels loaded up with gifts. It's good to be generous, by the way. I'll just throw this in. As Proverbs says, you know, a gift opens a way for the giver. There's nothing worse than being tight. Not in the good stewardship way. Be tight in terms of good stewardship. Don't waste money. But you know that sense of it's just generosity is good. It goes well with you. And so he's sending them off with gifts. It's a good thing. Be generous. Be hospitable. You're not trying to earn people's friendship. But at the end of the day, what a lovely guy. He did this for me. He was generous with his time. He was generous with his money. He shared his lunch with me. He did this. It just opens up a way for God to do good things. And so he sends him off generously. Abraham, he was very wealthy, mind you. He sent him off generously with uh, the, this his servant who's looking for a wife from this place. So what happens? The women come out. That's a sense of community there. By the way, another detour But I remember an American lady being in India once and she said uh, she saw the ladies scrubbing the clothes in the river. She thought, oh, poor ladies. They've got to get up and, and walk to the river and scrub the clothes. And then she had another look and she felt the Lord go, look at the community. Look at them. They're laughing. They're talking. They're sharing life together. And you, you sit in your little house with your washing machine spinning around all alone, and you think that's success. It's interesting, isn't it? Just the different concepts of success and progress that we have. And so the ladies came out at a certain time to draw water. I remember being in Jamaica, you know, and staying in the Blue Mountains. And they said, do you want some water? I said, yeah. And they'd go off. And I didn't realize they were walking three miles to go and get it for me. And the, the thing is, it's it's just a part of life for so many people. And so the people of the, the town, they come out at a certain time, probably when it's a bit cooler, and draw water out the well. So he's now got an opportunity to eye up the talent. Apologies for the crass phrase. I'm just, you know, giving you a, a, a an, some sort of idea of what's going on here. He's looking which one might be the one for Isaac. So, he says this, what do you do when you want guidance? There's three words that follow. He says, then he prayed. So there's a load of women here. He's got to choose one. What do you do? You pray. I don't know what your situation is at the minute. It might be like, do, do you want a new job? You know, you might be offered this. You might be been offered that. You might be thinking, does the Lord want me to help in this area of the church? That area of the church? Does he want me to live here, move there, do this, do that? Get this car, get that car, whatever it is. And often we can't just go, oh yeah, um, new job, I'll find that in the Bible. Although often, don't underestimate the Bible. It will expose the motives in our heart for wanting this or wanting that. I remember once I was an estate agent in Callington, I was doing quite well, and I got a letter landed on my desk before the days of email saying, uh, we want you to come and work for us, what they call headhunting. Uh, come and work for us, we'll increase your salary, give you all everything you need, blah, blah, blah and come and manage this office in Soldash. I looked at the office. Oh, it was triple the size of the one I was in. I thought, wow, you know, I, I've really arrived if I get this job. But what did I do? I prayed. And I prayed about it. And I felt the Lord. As soon as I started to pray and said, God, do I, do I take this offer or not? I just saw this massive great stop sign right in front of the office. Couldn't, couldn't take the job. I, uh, I said, thank very much for your interest, but no thanks. About three weeks later... Sorry, about three months later, that office was closed down. And I heard that the overheads on it were so stacked up that really it would take a miracle for anybody to make that office a success. So then he prayed, you see. He just went, Lord, would you show me somehow? We have the Holy Spirit. There is this ability of God to guide us in ways other than the Bible. But the Bible should always be the overriding testing point. And we should be able to measure up what God shows us against the truth of the Bible. And so it says, then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am, besan- I am standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, can I have a drink? And she says, you want a drink? I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. It's brilliant. He's again, he's taken a little bit of a step back in faith. He could have just gone, when I ask for a drink, the first one will be the one. But he says, no. He says, when I ask for a drink, may the one who says, sure. In other words, so she's hospitable, she's kind. Sure. I'll give you a drink. In other words, I'll go and go down the well and, You know, do some hard graft, get you a drink. And what about your camels? Don't they need some water too? This is going the extra mile. This is showing some character that is beautiful. I'm going to tell you, camels drink 20 gallons or they store 20 gallons each. There's 10 of them. That's 200 gallons. She is going to go to a well and get 200 gallons of water in jars and feed the camels. It's probably an hour's hard graft. Now, a lot of those ladies would have gone, Blow it up for a game of soldiers. Uh, I'll give him a drink, but please, he's going to have to do the camels. He's a man after all. But this girl comes out knowing that she's signing up for an hour of hard graft. And, and it's just in her. It just shows her character. And it does us good to show good courage. You don't know where it's going to get you. Not that we do it to get something. But it's just part of this Christian life that we go, God... There's a, there's a need here. I'm going to meet it. You don't know who's watching, who's doing this, who's doing that. Little did she know that this kind of act, where it was going to take her in terms of marrying Isaac and being in the most incredible uh, family situation. And so, this is what is sort of fleeces, if you like. But he doesn't make it easy for God. He goes, the one who's like outstanding in character. This is my sign that if, if she says, I mean, he's praying. You know, the Lord sort of says to him, this, this will be the sign that it'll be the right one. Before he had finished praying, this is what I love, eh? Before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar. He's praying, a woman appears. It's again, it's the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Notice it's just the, just the moment. He's just praying, and then you go, well, Maybe this could be the one. Hope you're getting some encouragement here in just learning how to know when God's in something. Because we should be doing this with all aspects of our life. Every big decision we make, we should be laying it down before the Lord. Too often, we just think, this is what I want. I'm going to make it happen. No. It's so critical that God is in these big decisions. Before he finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother, Nahor. In other words, she was his second cousin. Okay, The girl was very beautiful. Now, there's about five people in the Bible who were described as beautiful. So she obviously was. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her. He was excited, the servant. He's thinking, this could be the one, this could be the one. He hurries to meet her and said, can you give me a little bit of water, please, from your jar? Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely. Sometimes you just sort of go, God, I think this is the one you just watch. And you could go, "Lazy so-and-so, you should have helped her. But the point was, he was going, God, it's just the one. And he's studying her. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. So I guess there were maybe some other little things he's just checking up. Maybe the way she related to the other ladies. Just this, her demeanor, her, her, her sense of humility, all this sort of stuff. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took her to gold ring. He was convinced now. He took her to gold ring, one of the gifts, weighing a becker. Don't know how much that is and two gold bracelets weighing 10 shekels. Then he asked, Whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there a room in your father's house for us to spend the night? Now, I mean, it may well be that she knows this guy is originally from here and he's related to us and all that sort of stuff. So it's not like taking a mess necessarily a complete stranger in. But she answered him, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son that Milcah bore to nahor and she added we have plenty of straw and fodder as well as a room for you to spend the night it's opening up now isn't it you know these things you commit to the lord and you see it begin to open the doors begin to open nothing is blocking it she's not going no no we're full tonight sorry no i, I fed your camels i think that's enough um there's a place down the road you can stay she's like sure come here we got straw for the camels we've got the lot just come you're welcome very hospitable hospitality is a beautiful thing qualifications for elders we always concentrate on the able to teach bit but it actually says must be kind and hospitable and uh, every one of us as believers or or we we, want to be showing kindness and hospitality at least to some degree then the man bowed down this is the servant then the man bowed down and worshiped the lord saying praise be to the lord the god of my master abraham who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. That excitement that comes when you go, God has moved. I've seen it. This is fantastic. He's overjoyed. It's not his wife. He's overjoyed at serving his master and sharing in his master's business. What a parallel for us. Don't you get excited when there's somebody that you feel the Lord saying, pray for them, talk to them, you do it, and they say, I want to become a Christian. You go, boom, 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 praise the Lord. This is exactly what's happening here. The servant is going off to do his master's business. He's looking for God to move. He's seen God move. It's so clear. God is in this. The door is opened up. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. This is brilliant. I've seen you move. That's precious. I also go back to my master with a successful operation, mission accomplished. And there you are. Well, we're going to skip right on just for time towards the end of the story, but read the middle bits maybe when you get at home there's a little bit of bargaining, a little bit of oh, how much gold have you got then, you know? I think you know we could do a little bit more of a diary and so on. Lehan comes out, he's the tough negotiator. He has to negotiate a price for the woman. It's funny, Felix, you know, he's coming to speak here in December. He married an Albanian uh, lady. And I said to Felix, did you get any of this in Albania? And he said, yeah, yeah, I had to give a watch and a car to the brother-in-law and all this sort of stuff. So, you know, even people in our church have experienced a little few gifts uh, in terms of getting a wife. And so um, the, the, that's what goes on. And we pick the story up again in verse 50. Laban... That's the brother who did the negotiations, and Bethuel, that's his father, answered, "This is from the Lord." Basically, in the preceding passages, Abraham has shared the whole vision of how Abraham was taken there, how God has blessed him tremendously, the promises of God, and how they need the next line of succession, all this sort of stuff. So he shared the vision, said, "Can we have the girl for Isaac?" And they answered, "This is from the Lord." We can say nothing to you one way or the other. Isn't it beautiful? I love that, don't you, when people go, it's so clear this is of God. You know, my son, as I said, may find a woman. And I I may not like that woman. I hope I do. But I may not like. But if I see God in it, I'm going to go, who am I to interfere here? You know, this is the Lord. I I can tell. I can just know. I know God is in this. Sometimes in church life, we we get a guidance to go away that probably we don't really want to go. And then everyone goes, it seems good to us in the Holy Spirit. It looks like this is what God is wanting. We are not going to stand in the way. And so the family go, it's really clear that Rebecca is the woman for Isaac. So we, even though it's going to break our hearts, we will not stand in the way. Then the servant brought out gold and silver jewelry, more more stuff, and articles of clothing and gave them to Rebecca. He also asked, gave costly gifts to her brother and to her mother then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there when they got up in the next morning he said send me on my way to my master a little bit rude you know thanks for all that let me clear off now it's not rude at all he's just saying can i can we go back now but the mother brother and her mother replied let the girl remain with us 10 days or so then you may go but he said to them don't, don't detain us. Now that we know this is of God and the Lord has granted success to my journey, send me on my way so that I may go to my master. It's understandable, isn't it? They're like, can we just have 10 more days with her? And in some ways, it looks like the servant's been a little bit mean, really. He's going, no, no, no. We know this is of God. We've got to crack on. But if anything, and I don't know, you know, who was right and wrong here, but if anything, it's a little indication to us that sometimes delayed obedience is disobedience. You know, there's a time when we know God wants something of us, and we yeah get round to doing that. And I mean, I'll give you a good example in business. When I'm working, I um, as soon as I finish a job, I put the bill in. I'm very conscientious when it comes to putting the bills in. But if it's my water bill comes, I don't go with the same relish. First day, I'll pay this one. You know, I get there in the end. Don't get me wrong, I pay my water bill. But you know what I'm saying? We're we're much keener when it suits us to act immediately and when it's there's a bit of cost in it we we delay it as long as we can sometimes just be aware that delaying unnecessarily is disobedience in its own way just a lesser form of it when god says do something jump go no point hanging around no point like my pastor said to me "How you? get on with it and so she he said to them do not detain me know that the lord has granted success send me on my way So they say, let's call the girl and ask her about it. So they called Rebecca and asked her, Will you go with this man? She said, I'll go. So they sent their sister Rebecca on her way. All the doors are opening up, aren't they? Every single one. They sent her on her way with the nurse, with her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, This shows they were into the vision. Our sister. May you increase to thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the gates of their enemies. Praise God. That's what we're doing now today. You know what I mean? There are stories of salvation here and it all goes back to here. May your offspring possess the gates of your enemies. Then Rebecca and her maids got ready and mounted their camels and went back with the man on this 900 mile camel journey. So they, the servant took Rebecca and left. Now Isaac had come from Beer Lahoi Roy, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate. This is beautiful as well. This whole story has been soaked in prayer, soaked in consecration. And we see the outcome is beautiful. He's gone out to the field. He's just meditating. God, you're so good. I remember the day you did that. It was fantastic. Thank you, Lord. I know I'm sad. My mum's just died. But, you know, I'm just meditating on your goodness, Lord, your faithfulness. Beautiful. They didn't have Bibles. Just go out, talk to God. He went out to the field one evening to meditate. And as he looked up, just like the servant, as he looked up, something catches his eye in the distance. It's a train of camels. He saw camels approaching. Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac. This is like a Hollywood movie now. She's there. She's noticed him. He's noticed her. She got down. The music is playing got down from her camel and asked the servant, who's that man in the field coming to meet us? Maybe she's thinking, I hope that's him. He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. I love it. Just that coyness, just that sense of, you know, humility, modesty. Very good, very good. I know it's a different culture we're in, but the point is it speaks of of goodness really. "He, He is my master. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebecca there and then. So she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. What a beautiful story, isn't it? What a beautiful story. What, what do we learn from it? We learn, I think, that, you know, commit your ways to the Lord. Everything you do, try and get it. Not for every, shall I go to the supermarket in a minute? Shall I buy this tin of beans? Well, I'm just going to wait and see if the Lord guides me. Not that stuff. But all the big stuff that, does, that God would go, come on, you had time to pray about that. You know, You that was a big thing. Come on, you should have really committed that to me. All the big stuff in our lives. Great story of just handing it over. And then, of course, being willing for the answer. If he says no, that job I got offered, no. I have no regrets, of course. But I knew he just said No. I had to let go the prestige, the increased money, the stature of being in charge of a bigger office, all that stuff. God don't want it. I don't want it. And so there's this beautiful story here. It ends so beautifully. Now you may be someone sitting there today and we've all done it. We've done the opposite. You knew that you shouldn't. I remember my wife, Broman. I don't think she'd mind telling me, but she, as a young Christian girl, 17 or 18, went on a date. He was the bee's knees, sportsman, You know, blah, 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 life and soul of the party. She fell for it. And, but she remembers the first night she went out, she felt the Holy Spirit saying, not the man. She, she got into that relationship. He was an alcoholic. It was disastrous for years. Um, but she looks back and she goes, I know on the first night, I knew it was wrong. I knew God wasn't in it. If I really, if I really analyze it, if I'm blunt with myself. And so you may have messed it up already. Many of us did. I didn't become a Christian until I was 27. I didn't dedicate anything to the Lord. Uh, don't be discouraged. You've got the rest of your life to make good decisions. And sometimes, you know, we will. We are dealing now with the consequences of good decisions and bad decisions. So if you have made some bad decisions already that you're finding the consequences from, just don't make any more. Because you get more. You know, I've got a guy in our church, you know, he's an ex-addict. He's still got hepatitis C. That's just a consequence. He's saved. He's, he's um, thrilled with life. But he has some consequences from earlier bad decisions. So I hope this little thing today will just encourage us to really submit our lives, commit our ways to the Lord, and he will grant us success. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for these, uh, albeit rare stories in the Bible, where people do it right. We see so many stories where people do it wrong, and really have harsh consequences, or maybe not harsh ones, but certainly consequences and regrets. So Lord, I pray that we would be people going forward. We can do nothing about the past. You can, though. You paid the price for it. You give us freedom, peace. Even when we've made disasters of things, you can still give us peace. We can still know your love. We can still know joy. But Lord, going forward, we have opportunities from this day on, to make sure we make good decisions. And Lord, deliver us, I pray, from the temptation to enter into short-term fixes that we know aren't of God, and instead, like Abraham, go, no, no, I'm not compromising. If it takes longer, if it's more costly, I'm going the right way. I want to commit my ways to the Lord. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. May, May we be people of patience, people of trust, and people of consecration and prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.